My first lawnmower was tiny. It was not self-propelled. It was atom-propelled. I mowed with just the strength that my good Lord gave me. And I admit to you, in the bottom of my heart, I hate that lawnmower. So it was the first house that Abby and I owned. It was in Fishers. I pushed mowed that lawn. It took forever, it felt like. And you know the situation. My neighbor has like this nice riding lawnmower. And one time we started at the exact same time. We're kind of exchanging neighborly pleasantries, you know, that type of thing. And he's done in like 30 minutes. And I have like an hour and 45 minutes left to go. And I'm ticked. He's like sipping on his, his porch, like waving at me each, each pass. Like, oh, it was miserable. So when we moved to Columbus, I was desperate for a riding lawnmower. So we bought a third or maybe even a fourth hand lawnmower from another Ridger for just a couple of bucks. Now it was a snapper and it's the kind of lawnmower, if you're familiar with snappers, it's the kind of lawnmower that if you let off the brake, it bucks on you. Okay, so either you're going to mow your lawn or you're going to fall off. Those are kind of the options. I did fall off that lawnmower more than once. That's not what we're talking about today. I loved that lawnmower though. Absolutely adored it, like doted on it, cleaned it, like did all sorts of different stuff until one day I didn't love it anymore because my neighbor got this brand new riding lawnmower with all the gadgets and all the whistles and I'd watch him go back and forth and it was like he was ice skating on his lawn with his lawnmower and it ticked me off and then I'd get back on the bucking bronco, you know, holding on for my dear life. Eventually, a family member generously gave me a craftsman riding mower that was kind of past its prime, and it changed everything. I'm sure I look so goofy and stupid with this big smile on my face going around my yard when I was mowing. Well, we moved from that house on the north side of town to a house on the south side of town, and we have a few more acres of land. So what's the first thing we do before we even move? We buy a lawnmower. But this one, friends... It was a lawnmower. It's a zero-turn, 52-inch deck, commercial-grade skag with dual gas tanks and mulch blades. It goes faster than I need it to. It cuts better than I need it to. It's more fun to drive than it should be. It's kind of like a video game. I love that lawnmower way more than I should, even though I get stuck in the mud sometimes. I love that lawnmower. But I have to tell you, my neighbor has a very similar lawnmower, but he has a tow package on his. That'd come in handy. I also bought a lawn sweeper because we have a bunch of different leaves, and I'd like a new trimmer, actually. And my neighbor actually also has this really nice, like, gas leaf blower. You know, it looks like you're in a sci-fi movie when you're, when you're blowing leaves. Like, I kind of would like that. And I was realizing, uh-oh, I may have a problem. See, this is the last week of a series that we're calling Heartbreakers. And we've been talking about these core emotions that we have that impact our lives and our relationships. We've talked about guilt. We've talked about anger. We've talked about greed so far. And what it looks like for the debt to be canceled in each of those emotions. But this week, we're talking about jealousy. And I think jealousy is both obvious, and it's a little bit surprising if we start to peel back the layers on it. Now, here's my working definition of jealousy, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Jealousy is when you want what you don't have. That's simple enough. We look at our neighbor, we see the lawnmower, we see some things we, we'd like. And we go, wow, look at that. Wow, look at that vacation you posted about on Instagram. That, that's like a hashtag blessed type of thing. 
Wow, look at that amazing family photo. Your family looks so happy. Wow, look at that car. Wow, look at that house. Wow, look at that bank account. Wow, look at that marriage. Wow, look at that job. And we see it, and deep down, we want it. And that's really jealousy. But we confuse jealousy a little bit because I think at face value, we believe that jealousy is about each other. It's me and you, and I want what you have, and you want what I have. But it's not really about the other person. Here's what I mean. So I see you, and I see you have a great family or whatever. I don't really wish that you have a bad family so that I have a good family. Like, I don't want you to have a bad situation. I really don't care if you go on a great vacation as long as I get to go on the vacation that I want to go on. I don't really care that my neighbor has a lawnmower that I'd like. What I want is a lawnmower. It's really more about me than it is about the other person. That's what jealousy sounds like. If we keep pushing kind of the object of our frustration, it isn't with the other person. I don't want you to have a bad family so that I have a good family. It's an issue with God. We blame God for not giving us what we want. This is a great way to describe jealousy. Here it is. We've been using these pictures in this series. Check this out. It's when we think God owes, owes me something. What do you think God owes you? Have you ever thought about it? And you're like, God, you gave that to my friend. You gave that to my coworker. You gave that to my worst enemy or whatever. You could have provided for me. You could have given me that. You owe me that. I do my best. I'm a good person. You owe me that. And we believe that. And actually, that's why jealousy is pretty tricky because God can provide. He does provide all the time in all sorts of different ways. But when it comes to jealousy, we start to get upset about how God didn't show up in the exact way that we wanted to, wanted him to, or the exact timing that we wanted him to. So we go, hey God, if you had shown up, I'd be better off. And that might even be true at face value. And we say things like, I work hard, God. I try to be kind, God. I'm a good person. I serve. I give. Why does my neighbor have a better lawnmower than me? And that sounds super childish, right? Because we don't say it like that. But we do this. I do my best. Why can't I have the spouse that I've always wanted? I'm a good person. Why can't I have a nice car like my neighbor has a nice car? I work double as hard as he does. I'm way better than the guy over there, God. Why am I the one dealing with the hard stuff? Why am I dealing with the cancer? Why am I dealing with a broken relationship? Why am I dealing with the debt? They don't even follow you and they get this. What about what you owe me? God, you owe me. I follow you, so you owe me. And this jealousy starts to build up. And we don't deal with it and it spills out into our lives. It turns into bitterness towards God, bitterness towards other people. We think that God has hashtag blessed more than us. And that's been happening for a really long time. This isn't a new thing. Your parents have dealt with it. Their parents have dealt with it. This has been going on for a really long time. We even talk about it in the Bible a lot. So check this out. We're going to be in the book of James, second half of the Bible. We're going to be in chapter four of James. And the book of James is about how our behavior should reflect our relationship with Jesus, which is really what this entire series has been about, kind of the inside of our life, our heart reflects kind of on the outside. So check this out. This is James 4, starting in verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? 
Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So what does this mean? Just what we were talking about. Our external conflict comes from our inner conflict. What happens outside is because of what is going on inside. So our our heart spills out. And whether we know it or not, whether we want it to or not, it does. So if we're upset that Judy has a nicer kitchen... That's a reflection of our heart. If we feel that pang of jealousy as we look at Jim Bob and Betty Sue's you know, wedding photos, I'm running out of names. It's, it's an overflow of our heart. Our heart impacts our relationships. That's what this means. So verse two, so you want what you don't have, that's jealousy. So you scheme and you kill to get it. Well, that seems extreme. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight. And you wage war to take it away from them. That's a great definition of jealousy right there. It's kind of like going to war. Here's the image that comes up for me. It's kind of like a little kid going to war over the last double stuffed Oreo cookie. Have you ever, this is real life for me. Have you ever seen kids go to war over something, go, go to war over a cookie? I mean, it is intense. It's like Rambo stuff. They like paint their like faces and they're going at it. I mean, sneak attacks, all sorts of different things. They're screaming. They're scheming. They're debating. It comes to blows sometimes. It's ridiculous. All because one of my kids wants what the other kid has. And what happens if one kid gets what the other one wants? What do they say? That's not fair. That's a jealousy phrase. You got what I want. That's not fair. That's how they say it too. That's not fair. But who are they mad at? Are they mad at their brother? Are they mad at their sister? Really, they're mad at me because I gave what they wanted. And we do the same thing. We think God owes us. And when he doesn't show up for us like the way he does for our friend or our neighbor or our coworker, we get bitter. We go to war. How do we go to war? Well, we gossip, or we break the relationship, or we lie, or we cheat, or we try to put ourselves in a place that provides for ourselves. It erodes relationships. We get mad at God because we think he should have shown up in a certain way. It impacts relationships with other people because we think he should have shown up in a certain way, and we say, that's not fair. So let's recap what James is saying. We have these desires, these heart desires, these appetites. And they will never go away. One of mine is lawnmower maintenance material. We want what we don't have. We go to war to try to get it. But here's the thing, and here's the truth. And I put it in all caps because I needed to yell it at myself. You will never, ever, 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 couldn't fit on the screen, ever get enough. Ever. Ever. That's the truth about jealousy. That's the truth about pursuing these appetites in our life. So I don't know what you want. I don't know what causes you to be jealous. Is it recognition? Is it sex? Is it money? Is it comfort? Is it fun? Is it progress? Is it fame? Is it success? Is it comparison? What is it? I don't know. You will never get enough of what you are pursuing apart from God. And someone else always has more than you do. We talked about this a little bit last week. It's kind of like this. Have you ever looked forward to the perfect meal? Like your favorite meal on earth? You're going all in. 
It's like steak per- cooked perfectly, mashed potatoes spilling over with butter, perfectly cooked sautéed mushrooms and onions. You know, you already smell the waft of the perfectly baked bread coming at you. I'm getting distracted, but I'm excited. I don't know what that meal is for you, but we probably have one. This amazing meal, and we're excited about it. We anticipate it. We sit down. It's the perfect meal, and then you eat that perfect meal in the perfect environment. The sun is you know, setting over the water. You're with the people that you want to be with. You're not with the people you don't want to be with. You know, the band's playing. Like, it's just this beautiful moment. You're like, I just want to bottle this. I want to capture it. And then they bring your favorite dessert as a surprise. Like, this is the moment. This is it. This is what I've been working for my entire life. And then what happens the next day? You get up and you need to eat again. And if you have the same meal that I just described, you end up with high blood pressure. See, we feel full after a meal. Our appetite is satisfied for just a moment. Then all of a sudden we need it again. It's fleeting. It's never enough. Insert whatever you're jealous about into that. Like going on vacation and coming back from vacation and immediately needing to go back on vacation. You'll never get enough. Or you finally find the person that you've been looking for and you get married and then all of a sudden you're like, this is really, really difficult. It's not all happy. It's not all Hallmark movies. You'll never get enough. That's what James is saying. And check this out. He turns this into a God thing just like we turn this into a God thing. Check this out. This is the rest of verse two. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And at first read, we go, finally, some relief. We don't have what we want because we don't ask God for it. So what's James saying? Is he saying, well, just ask God and get whatever you want? Not necessarily, but he does say, ask God for what you desire. God already knows he wants us to ask. So James is telling us, bring our desires to God. This is all going somewhere. So what do you want? What makes you jealous? What do you desire? What is your dream? Is it important to you? Is it something you worked hard really for? Something you've aspired to? Something you've lost tears over? Something that you really deeply feel like, this is where God is leading me. And James is saying, are you jealous? Have you even asked God? Have you even talked to God about this? Have you acknowledged that he is a part of the equation at all? And if you haven't, you start there. And I'd go ahead and add, go ahead and tell God how unhappy you are. He already knows. He can handle it. God, I think you owe me. I don't understand why this is happening in my life. I don't understand why this is happening over here. God, I think you owe me this. It feels like you owe me. Am I wrong? And 1 Peter 3, 7 says it like this. Give all your worries and all your hopes and all your dreams and all your everything and all your cares to God, for he cares about you. If it's important to you, it's important to God because you're important to God. He cares. But James isn't done, and I'm really glad he's not done because if we just stopped with ask God and then you get what you want, we know that that breaks down. I'll prove it to you. God, please provide us a million dollars. Nope. That'd been awesome, but nope. I'd had to change the rest of my message, actually. Like, oh no. James knows that our response is God, give us what we want. 
Give us what we want. So he doesn't stop there. This is, this is, this is what I need. This, this hits me pretty hard. Verse 3, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. This is me. I don't know if it's you, but this is me. My motives are often selfish. You know, you pray and you're like, God, I feel like you owe me this. Give me this. Give me this. Me, 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 me. This is the real deal stuff right here. Ask, bring your desire to God. That's what James says. How amazing is that, that we get the opportunity to do that. But hold on. Because if you're only asking for what gives you pleasure, what makes you feel better, James is saying, maybe not quite. Because God loves us too much to give us what we want all the time. I'm going to say that again. God loves us too much to give us what we want all the time. Because oftentimes, oftentimes, what we want, even at face value, we think we need it, we don't. Or he uses this really difficult stuff to draw us closer to him. Or we have no idea what's going on around us. But we think, this is it, this is it, this is what I want. Why doesn't he give me what I want? God loves us way too much to give us what we want all the time. Parents, you know this. We have conversations like this. I had a conversation like this this weekend. Here's how it went. Can I have a popsicle for breakfast? No. But my friend on the bus gets a popsicle for breakfast. Well, having a popsicle for breakfast is not a wise way to start your day. I said that a whole lot calmer than I did in the actual conversation. Instead, here's a sugar-coated donut. The metaphor breaks down. I understand. But God loves us way too much to give us what we want all the time. So what do you want? Even at face value, a lot of good things that we want. I want the house. I want the family. I want the physical health. I want the mental health. I want the success. I want the relationships. I want me, me. But he doesn't want us to only want those things. I don't think wanting those things is bad. He just wants us to want him more. So not only do we bring our desire to God, but this is in the context of jealousy, right? We also bring our motives to God. He wants us to ask for our desires. He wants our motivation, though, to be about him, not about our own pleasure or our own success. And you know the cool thing? Either way, he still wants us to ask. But his desire is for us to change our motivation. It's to surrender our heart. It's to allow God's motivation to be our motivation. And when motivations line up, When it's God's desire for our lives, that's what we're praying about. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're seeking after. I have no doubt that God shows up there. He provides for our good. And if we're saying, hey, I'm surrendering to what you say is good, God, not what I feel like is good, God, that's when he shows up. And he's there even when we bring our desires and we're way wrong. And he's there when we bring our motives and he helps us kind of align that. And eventually we kind of keep peeling it back and keep peeling it back until we actually get to what our soul needs so we can bring our needs to God. See, it might be true that God did not provide in the way that you wanted. And by, when I say might be true, it is 100% true for all of us. There are things we hope for, we dream about, we pursue, we pray about that he doesn't provide in the way that we think or in the timing that we want. 
And maybe we're even trying to align our motivation. We're like, God, I want to do it your way. But if you really believe in your heart of hearts that God owes you something, just a second, I encourage you to stop because that leads to heartbreak. Because according to God, it's not what God owes us, but more about what we owe God. And then we get that confused and we think, okay, what, is, what do we owe God? We owe God a good life. We owe God the good stuff, you know, being kind, being a good neighbor, loving, giving, stuff like that. Those are all good things. But the fact of the matter is, what we owe God, we can't pay. His standard is perfection. And we fall short of God's standard all the time. We call that sin. And the truth is, we owed God a debt that we just don't have what it takes to pay. So he paid it for us. That's why he doesn't owe us anything. He's already given us everything. That's what Jesus and the cross is all about. We would have been hopeless if it wasn't for Jesus stepping into our place and meeting God's standard on our behalf. And if we think about our need, our motivation, our desire in that order, being bummed about not getting what we want and what we think we deserve, even if it's the best, most important, most valid thing to desire, if we're bummed about that, we think God owes us that, it's nothing next to what God has already provided when we needed it most. When we think about the cross and when we think about how that's not the end of the story, that it even extends past the cross to the tomb and it's an empty tomb, God doesn't owe us anything because he's already given us everything. Now we're working on this jealousy stuff though and we still kind of feel this tension What do we do? We start to understand it. We're seeing it for what it really is. What do we do? Here's the question. How do we cancel the debt of jealousy? How do we we go about thinking it through? That's the question. Now remember, when there's debt in our heart, our heart is out of balance. And the things we've talked about in this series, guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy... They come out of our hearts and we find ourselves in these bad situations, these damaged relationships. We can't get out of our own head. We struggle in our relationship with God because we've never dealt with the debt. And there are only two ways to deal with relational debt. You can pay it off or you can cancel it. That's it. Those are the only ways you can deal with an unpaid debt. And if you don't deal with the debt, the heart is out of sync. So when it comes to what we've already covered, it's the same question. How do we deal with the debt? We actually had a little handout for you if you're here in person. It's kind of the series all on one card. If you're online, Becca, our online campus pastor, is going to go there, and she's going to give you a way to get a hold of this handout as well. But our lives flow from our hearts, and these four heartbreakers are powerful. What are they? Well, the first one is guilt. It's when we feel like I owe you something, whether that's real or not. And how do we deal with guilt? Well, we deal with guilt with confession. That's how the debt is paid. That's how we deal with it. What about anger? Well, anger is when you owe me. We feel that. It's usually true when we're angry. You owe me something. You've taken something from me. We cancel the debt through forgiveness. And forgiveness is from a place of power, not from a place of weakness. And with greed, greed is a tricky one because it's when we feel like I owe myself We treat ourselves. We think we should pursue these things in our life. And there's a lot of overlap with greed and jealousy. Well, how do we deal with the debt that we feel like we owe? Well, it's actually remembering what we already have 
and we're generous with it. God has provided much in our lives. And then with jealousy. Jealousy is when God owes me. So how do we deal with that? How do we check our heart with it? How's your heart? You jealous? Here's how we deal with it. It's with celebration. The debt of jealousy is canceled through celebration. So if jealousy is when we think that God owes me, but in fact, God does not owe me. In fact, we owe God and he's already canceled our debt. He's already paid our debt. He's already shown up for us in more ways than we can possibly imagine. And that's cause for celebration. So we celebrate Jesus, we celebrate the cross, and it impacts our lives and our eternity. And that is an amazing place to start. We're going to do that today. But I don't think it can end there because jealousy impacts our interpersonal relationships too. So we celebrate Jesus first, and then we remind ourselves that God has provided way more than we're owed, and then we celebrate with other people. See, the fact of the matter is guilt, anger, greed, jealousy, it shows up in our everyday life. We're driving down the road. We're walking down the road, and it happens. We feel it. We feel this guilt or this jealousy or this greed. We feel this anger, and we don't always know what to do with it. So we stand kind of at this crossroads, and we have a choice oftentimes to break the own heartbreak if we keep our eyes focused on these things of God if we do it with him rather than on our own. So we have this opportunity. We're standing there. We can go down the jealous path, which leads to bitterness, or we can go down the celebration path. It happens in our real life. We deal with it. Maybe it looks a little bit like this. I love that example because it's such a real life, subtle example. You can take one path, kind of go away from the relationship, get angry, be bittered, or you deal with the jealousy and you celebrate what somebody else has, how God has provided in their life. The debt of jealousy is canceled through celebration. Now, coming up next week, we have this opportunity as a church to celebrate what God has done in and around and with and through the Ridge over the last 10 years. Next week, we have a chance to celebrate the anniversary of moving into this building that happened on 9-9-2012. And we're going to use that as a chance to celebrate how amazing God is and what he's done and what he's promised to do. I'm really excited about that celebration. Celebration is healthy. But if I'm honest with you, celebration is also really, really difficult for us especially when it comes to one individual celebrating what they're jealous of in another individual. So as we wrap up this week, wrap up this series, here's the question. Who can you celebrate this week? You know how to answer this question? Who are you jealous of right now? That's how you answer the question. Who can you celebrate this week? Because you mean to tell me when I hear about my brother's new job, I'm supposed to celebrate? You mean to tell me when my coworker crushes a presentation that I was supposed to give and I'm mad about it, I'm supposed to celebrate? You mean to tell me when my sister gets to go on this once-in-a-lifetime vacation and I don't get to go, I'm supposed to celebrate? Yes. That's exactly what I mean to tell you. Because honestly, you're being sincere when you celebrate what somebody else is 
has when you're jealous. When you find yourself wishing or you find yourself thinking, wow, she looks great, or wow, he did a great job, and you feel the pang of jealousy, it's honest to say, wow, you look great, or wow, you did a great job. Expressing the truth is really what celebration is. So who can you celebrate this week? And I encourage you, if somebody came to mind quickly and you're not jealous of them, celebrate them and then move on to the person that you're actually jealous of. Pick someone to celebrate that you feel that hurt, you feel that jealousy, that coworker, you know, that college friend, the frenemy, whatever it is. And don't wait until you're ready because you'll never feel like it. You cancel that jealousy debt and you refuse to let it hold you hostage. You refuse to be entrapped by it. Is there someone's success you've been jealous of? Is there someone you know deserves a pat on the back and you don't want to give it to them? Is there someone whose success that you mentally dismiss? You're like, yeah, but. What insecurities creep in as you scroll through social media? Who can you celebrate this week? Because the debt of jealousy is canceled through celebration. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we all deal with heartbreak. Heartbreak rooted in guilt or anger or greed or jealousy or some combination whether we see it or not, feel it or not, understand it or not, I ask for your help as we surrender these emotions to you that damage. We ask for your help in guiding us. We want to do this with you. We want to do all this work and then not keep you at the forefront of our mind. We want to keep our eyes focused on you. We want to surrender this to you when it comes to jealousy, my guess is we all have these things that we sometimes hold in our heart, whether we speak them or not, and we see what you're doing, and we don't always understand it, and we feel that we're owed by you. So we ask right now for your help, your help as we do our best to celebrate who you are, to celebrate what you've already done in our lives to celebrate what you're doing in other people's lives, even though it might be something that we wish would happen in our lives. And we celebrate Jesus. And we celebrate that the cross is a real thing that matters, that Jesus climbed up on it and paid our debt to you, and that that's not the end of the story, that it goes to an empty grave and that you've conquered death, you've conquered pain, you've conquered guilt, you've conquered anger, you've conquered greed, you've conquered jealousy, so that we can rely on you, focus on you, and surrender it. So help us celebrate today. Help us celebrating the day that you chose to conquer all of it. And you knew the whole time that was your story. We rely on you, we focus on you, we celebrate Jesus and the cross and an empty tomb. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.